Hey everyone, thanks for watching. If you'd like to see more Hemisync podcasts, such as Episode 8 with Dean Reagan, podcasts that aren't necessarily associated with any particular Hemisync product, but simply feature fascinating guests and subjects associated with the frontiers of consciousness research and understanding, please consider joining our exclusive Patreon page and get some great discounts on Hemisync products in the bargain. Thanks for watching. Thanks for joining us for the Hemisync Podcast. We're joined today by Mark Allen, founder and publisher of New World Library, uh, noted author. Um, today we'll be focusing on your 2012 release, The Magical Path, uh, because we are developing a Hemisync album to be released, well, if you're watching this video, it's probably already out, um, based on Mark's book. Um, so Mark, I was hoping to just uh, start with this beautiful poem that you have at the start of your book. Oh, yes. These words by Patanjali, or however you pronounce it, were written 250 years before Christ. And it just goes to show you there is nothing new in the new age, nothing new in what anybody is teaching. It's all the same wisdom. Uh, we're all climbing the same mountain. We just have different paths. Here's what was written 250 years ago. Or 2,250 years ago. When you are inspired by some great purpose, some extraordinary project, all your thoughts break their bonds. Your mind transcends limitations. <clears throat> your consciousness expands in every direction, and you find yourself in a new, great, and wonderful world. Dormant forces, faculties, and talents become alive, and you discover yourself to be a greater person by far than you ever dreamed yourself to be. That's an amazing piece. Um, yes. And that's kind of how I feel about Hemisync. And I'd imagine yeah. that's how you probably always felt about New World, right? Yeah. yeah, that's true. That's true. We dare to dream, and we expand to fulfill that dream. So you describe magic um, as this mysterious process by which something is created out of apparently nothing, which I, I think is a great description. Mm -hmm. um, so can you tell us a bit about your own personal magical path, starting from as early as you like? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've always been fascinated with magic, real magic, real yeah. magic, not stage illusions. And I, I've often thought that everyone is doing magic all the time. That's the way I see and define magic. We are magical creatures. Uh, even our existence here, you could say, is the product of magic. When you start with a sun exploding and blasting out helium and hydrogen, and you end up with us sitting here talking with DNA in every cell of our bodies, whatever you want to call that process, it's certainly miraculous. Mm -hmm. And I'd even call it magical. And I remember even back in my total poverty days, in my late 20s, early 30s, when I could barely pay the rent, I remember thinking, gee, every month I just come up with the rent. I come up with it. I was visualizing exactly what I needed every month, just barely getting what I needed. Mm -hmm. And then it dawned on me, I could just increase what I want. I could start asking for more and raise the bar, even like 
own a house rather than rent. And, and I realize it's the same principle that I've been using just to barely pay my rent. I use to buy a house and create a successful business. It's the same magical principle. It's visualization. Ah, we use visualization all the time. But most of us don't use it for expanding in our lives. We use it for literally thinking, uh, what am I going to have for lunch <laughs> or dinner? You know, Because that, that is a process of creative visualization. Yeah. We sit there and imagine what we want for lunch. We go through all these possibilities in our mind. And then we decide on something and we take the steps to manifest it. So we literally do create something out of nothing originally other than a thought. Right. That's the whole process. That's the way I see it. And it not only works for creating lunch, it works for creating whatever you want in life. And so I guess it shouldn't be too surprising that as a successful publisher of books, um, I understand your path actually started really with a single book. Is that correct? It did. It did. A, a single book changed my life. When I was 21, I just wandered out of college. I was in horrible health. Uh, college was not good for my health. I, I took way too many stimulants and had no awareness how bad they were for my body. And uh, then I found this little book in a little magical bookstore in Madison, Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. It was a small store that just focused on Western magic and I knew nothing about it. And I, I went in there and there was this guy with his dark beard sitting in a corner he was very mystical and quiet. And I asked him what, what this store was about, and he offered me a chair and basically gave me an hour course in Western magic. And I ended up taking on a stack of books. And most of them were big tomes that I never got into that were far too complex for my mind. But the top one, the smallest one, was called The Art of True Healing mm. by Israel Lagardi. And it had this simple meditation. He called it the middle pillar meditation. It was based on teachings of the Kabbalah, which is all about the tree of life. And all creation you can look at as a tree of life. And our bodies are a tree of life. And the tree has three pillars. One, it has the male pillar, the male side. Another is the female pillar. And then the central pillar where the male and female come together, the middle pillar, is where creation happens. Mm. All of creation you can look at in a way it is bringing male and female energies together. Mm -hmm. And in their view, like God is not a male in any way. God is male and female coming together to create in the middle pillar. And so there was this kind of uh, philosophy behind it. But what really changed my life was there was a very practical, simple meditation called the Middle Pillar Meditation. And all it was was relaxing and imagining light and creative and healing energy at the top of your head, just flowing down through the middle pillar of your body, healing every part of your body. And the first time I did that, I, I had never done anything like that before. But I sat in a chair and I spent about 45 minutes imagining my body filled with healing energy. And I got up and I felt healed. I felt lighter. I felt wonderful. And it really overcame a lot of the negative effects of 
all the stimulus I'd had in college. Mm -hmm. That's that, that sounds really powerful, and um, I understand that you kind of use it as the basis for most of the meditations that you practice now, that you talk about in, in the natural path as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that extends to the semi-sync exercise also. Yes, yes. And so there's a few different ways you can do these, right? You can do it mm -hmm. sitting, lying down. Mm -hmm. um, I think there are some other variations beyond that. Yeah. Um, uh, you can do it walking, oh, standing. Wow. But I mostly, yes, I most, I mostly do it lying down when I'm doing a long, a longer session. Mm -hmm. And uh, and. Maybe half the time I do fall asleep. That's, yeah. that's fine. But half the time I have a wonderful guided meditation. And I occasionally do it sitting. And and uh, often just through the day, I just do a very simple version in a breath or two. Just before taking a phone call, before a meeting, before starting anything. I'll just habitually now just sit and just take a deep breath and imagine the light there at the top of my head. And then just imagine it filtering slowly through my body, just healing and cleansing every cell. Just a meditation while I'm breathing. Mm -hmm. And so over the years, you've kind of taken this exercise and made it your own, which is something that you also encourage others to do as well, which I think yeah. is a great point, And it's one that we also make all the time. Good. Yes, yes. Um, and so I understand at some point you combined this with what you call the ideal scene. Mm -hmm. And that's really what kind of changed your path, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, the day I was 30, I woke up in a state of shock realizing I wasn't a kid anymore. Uh, I had no job. I had no income. I was scrounging every month, the word we used all the time, mm -hmm. to pay my rent in this little apartment. And somehow that was, that was cool. That was okay in my 20s. But the day I turned 30, this little voice said, you're 30. <laughs> You're not a kid anymore. What are you going to do with your life? So I spent most of the day pacing up and down. And I remember this little game I had played in a uh, back to the land experiment. I'd done it about 22 or 23. That did, did not work very well. But, mm. uh, but I learned this game. We were sitting around a fire and one couple said, let's play a game we play at church camp. Let's imagine five years have passed. And your life has gone as well as you could imagine. Mm -hmm. What would your life look like? What is your ideal scene, they said. And we all went around the fire and said something. And I don't remember a word of what I said. So it had no impact on my life. But the day I turned 30, pacing up and down, I remembered that game. Huh. And I said, okay, I'm going to play this. But this time, I laid down and I did that middle pillar meditation and got very deeply relaxed, deeply relaxed. I often just take three breaths to get into it. The first breath, I just imagine energy from my head all through my body, relaxing my body. And then the second breath, I relax even deeper as I exhale. The third breath, I let everything go. And then feel that field of light. And then within that, I start Visualizing it sometimes. And in this case, I said, okay, five years have passed. You're 35, which to me was amazing. It's like, oh, you're middle-aged, 35. <laughs> what does your life look like? And I just immediately saw 
And I don't visualize clearly. So many people think they have to visualize clearly. I think it's very rare that people clearly visualize. But it's whatever image comes to mind. You know? But I had this image of sleeping as late as I want and waking up in this beautiful big house on a hill in a beautiful place. And then going down into my office and there's a publishing company publishing my books and my music too and all these wonderful people doing wonderful work in a wonderful way you know, having wonderful jobs for wonderful pay <laughs> came to me. and I had this image of this big company and and the best part was when I added near the end of it was I just had this life of ease I only worked when I wanted to I didn't work this 40-hour, 60-hour week thing at all to build this successful company. I just worked when I loved. Yeah. I worked the hours that I felt like, and when I didn't feel like working, I went away. And then I got up and I wrote all that down. Ideal scene. I have a successful publishing company and a beautiful home on the hill. And I write books and I record music. And Best of all, I have a life of ease. It's all done in an easy and relaxed manner, a healthy and positive way. Well, of course, as soon as I dared dream that, doubts and fears just overwhelmed me. And I realized the most important work was dealing with those doubts and fears. Mm -hmm. I often say, the older I get now, the simpler I see it. It's totally simple. There's just two essential things. One, dare to dream. Dare to dream. Put it out there. What kind of life do you want? Ideally, what do you really want to do with your life? Dare to dream it and put it out. And then doubts and fears will inevitably arise. Right. So deal with it. There's all kinds of ways to deal with those doubts and fears. There's so many teachers and courses and things, and <laughs> you know, psychologists and books about how to deal effectively with your doubts and fears. Just find what works for you. And let those doubts and fears go. Go beyond them. Find a way to resolve them and keep moving toward that dream. One of the ways that you like to um, deal with the doubts and fears, right, is to get your subconscious on your side. And your preferred tool there is the use of affirmations, right? Yes. Affirmations, I'm convinced, are incredibly powerful. One of the most powerful things we can do because. As someone once said years ago, and I don't know who it was, but I think it was very insightful. Our subconscious mind is like an incredibly powerful five-year-old child. Mm -hmm. And that child will believe anything you tell it. Mm -hmm. You tell a five-year-old there are monsters under the bed, it will believe it. Yeah. He or she will believe it. Well, that's our subconscious mind. So that's wonderful. If we stop telling our subconscious that we're incapable in any way or that this is hard or that life is a struggle and start telling our subconscious that we're magicians able to create whatever we want in an easy relaxed manner a healthy and positive way we start telling our subconscious affirmations that uh, that our subconscious will start to believe mm -hmm. you know, so i when when i was 30 years old i Started, I listed all my goals after I did my ideal scene. And then I wrote each goal down as an affirmation. And yeah. I started affirming, I am now creating 
a successful publishing company. I had no money. I had no family support. I had no knowledge of business. Yeah. I'd been a musician and an actor and a spiritual seeker and in my 20s. I never took a business course or had any interest in it. I didn't know what banks did. One of my friends reminded me recently, we were walking on a beach one time as I started the company. And I said to him, I don't know anything about business. What do banks do anyway? <laughs> I had no idea why banks had all this money yeah. and how they could build big buildings. I had no idea because I'd never read a thing about it or had any interest. About it. Mm -hmm. And yet I started a company and I just started affirming, I am now creating a successful company in an easy and relaxed manner, in a healthy and positive way. I wrote that down. I put it in my pocket. To yeah. this day, I carry a list of affirmations oh, let's see it. in my pocket. Yeah. yeah, you can see it. This now, it's wow. well into the year, so it's been through the wars. Yeah, it's about yeah. falling. I redo it every six months. Uh -huh. So this is about falling apart. So this but seems important there. as well. I mean, you're physically writing stuff down. You aren't just mentally, you know, creating it. You're making it concrete. Yes, I think that, I think that is very important. Which I think also gets your subconscious more on your side, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, it yeah. gets more concrete. That's that's a good way to put it. Concrete. Because our thoughts are very ephemeral and changing, but that's where it all starts. Our thoughts. We think it. Yeah. We think then we say it, we repeat it in an affirmation. I am now creating a successful career in an easy, relaxed manner. And then we put it in writing and it gets even more concrete to yeah. me in writing is a powerful magical tool. So I I list my goals as affirmations in writing and I've done it ever since my 30th birthday. So I think lots of folks, you know, nowadays think of, of affirmations as kind of tedious or schmaltzy, but you you really swear by them and have the evidence to kind of back that up, which um, I mean people I do. should pay some attention to. <laughs> they have yeah. totally worked in my life. People often say, oh, how often do I have to repeat them? And right. As if it's some kind of ritual that you need to do. Or, but no, all you need to do is find what works for you mm -hmm. in a way that gets your subconscious mind to say yes. I do, I believe in my experience, our subconscious mind says yes to every thought. Yeah. So when we affirm, I am now creating a successful business, our subconscious mind says Yes. Yeah. But then, of course, if our next thought is, oh, but it's so hard. Yeah. I don't have any money. Your subconscious mind says, yes, it's hard for you with that thought. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I absolutely believe I have seen in my life and I know affirmations are incredibly powerful. Yeah. And it's just a matter of writing them down and repeating them often enough so your subconscious mind says yes to them. Yeah. And so now you're sort of touching on this element of limiting beliefs as well. Um, and I thought she had an interesting system of dealing with those as well. And it was actually fairly long and had like nine mm. steps or so. Right. But one of the critical ones I think was, was mantra and just the act of observing your words and thoughts. Yes. Yes. The core belief process is something I learned when I was 28 at a weekend workshop that changed my life because I learned that process. And it's one great way to deal with doubts and fears. Mm -hmm. It really helped me, especially for me around money. Doing yeah. this simple process really helped. And it, it is incredibly simple. 
which is what I always need. I need to make things very simple. I think for my subconscious mind, I think the subconscious is very childish and doesn't necessarily understand complex things. Yeah. So the simpler, the better. The simpler we can express our dreams, the better. And the simpler we can get down to expressing and realizing our doubts and fears, the better. Mm -hmm. The simpler the language, always the better. And the whole process, yes, is just eight questions you answer. Eight questions. And each question is quite simple, but just be totally honest. But the first question is just, what's the problem? And that we always know. We always know there's some problem. Okay, clearly define what the problem is. For me, say, when I was almost bankrupt, it immediately was, well, I'm almost bankrupt. Yeah. Okay, what's the problem? Then, two, it's really good to look at what do I feel physically right. when I think of this problem? And do like a scan of your body. Yeah. And really get, you know, and just name it. Oh, I'm, my neck is tight. My, my stomach is churning. I remember when I right. financial. Okay, just that's all. Just so I think very few people do that. Yes. When people are encountering fear or stress, it's like they have no body. They're right. cut off and they're like from the neck up. Yes. And just like all this activity up here. Yes. But getting your body involved and really kind of sensing into it is very grounding. Yes, it's ground. Right, right. It kind of connects you with presence again. Mm hmm. Um, I think a lot of people, especially men, live their entire lives. Yeah. Right from the neck up and are not that aware but yes it's very good just scan your body how do i feel yeah. when i'm facing this problem how do i feel mm. and I, I i remember my stomach was churning mm. i think i was on the verge of bankruptcy i started my company but i knew nothing about business i got deep in debt and i, yeah. I was nearly bankrupt and i did the core belief process and it turned everything around so that's the second, just what is the problem? How do I feel physically? And then ask, and this is a good one, especially for men too, how do I feel emotionally? Yeah. And you just name the emotion. You don't have to deal with it. Yeah. You just name it. I have found women can do this pretty easily. <laughs> and a lot of men start saying, well, I and they start talking about it. No, don't yeah. talk about it. Just name it. What do I feel? Oh, I feel frustration. I feel anxiety. Yeah. I feel there's an anger there. Yeah. You just name it. That's all you need to do now, because then we'll get into you. You go to the fourth thing. What has been going through my mind? What have I been telling myself? It's very much like the first thing, and you just repeat all those thoughts. We used to call it the tapes you've been running yeah. before digital. What what repetitive thoughts have been going through your head? You just say them one more time. Just mm -hmm. acknowledge. I'm saying, oh, I'm just an idiot. I just don't understand money. I'm yeah. just, I'm deep in debt. I don't see the way out. It's overwhelming. Whatever is going through your mind when you think of that problem. I have to say, whenever I say the word problem now, I think of the movie Analyze This with Billy Crystal and mm -hmm. Robert De Niro, where I, it's the girl from Friends. It might it might not be Gwyneth Paltrow. It might be the other one, but oh, she yeah. plays Billy Crystal's wife. Ah, uh, yeah. Anyway, but she's getting married to Billy Crystal, and De Niro's mafia thugs interrupt the wedding, <laughs> and she goes up to De Niro and says, "You ruined my wedding because of your problem." <laughs> <laughs> and whatever. Ever since I saw that movie, 
whenever I hear the word problems, yeah. or think of the word problems, I think of her going, your problems, yeah. because that's what they are. Yeah. They're our problems, they're the things we're thinking in our mind, the things we're creating in our mind, right. our problems, what's our problem? And that's the problem, it turns out. Yeah. It's just our thoughts. Mm -hmm. We're creating our problems in our own mind. They're not out there in the world. Yeah. The outer world isn't doing it to us. We're doing it to ourselves with our own thoughts. And we're not aware of it. Then we're not aware of it. Yeah. We're blaming other people. We're victims of something. We don't understand something. When the reality is, it's just this constant stream of thoughts through our mind that's creating our entire experience of the world. And that includes all our problems. And there's a wonderful thing to get to understand because we can affect our thoughts. We can change our thoughts. Yeah. And this core belief process is one way to do it. Meditation is another way. Affirmations is another. Just replacing your negative limiting thought with a powerful positive thought. Yeah. Intentionally letting that thought go. It'll come back. Okay, let it go again. And replace it. When you have this thought of, oh, I'm such an idiot, or whatever the negative thought is, immediately go, cancel, cancel. Yeah. I am powerful. I am wonderful. I am beautiful. Mm -hmm. I, I am, I, you know, I'm a wonderful divine creation. Whatever words you want to put in there instead of, oh, I'm such an idiot. Cancel, cancel. Yeah. That's very powerful. You can change your thoughts. And that's what this process does. So that's the fourth thing. Fourth thing, you go through every thought and you just look at it. Then the fifth thing is a very good question. What's the worst that could happen? You mm -hmm. imagine in this situation, what's the worst? So I, I would say, well, bankruptcy. I would just lose everything. And then it's good to even go deeper and say, if that happens, what's the worst that could happen? Yeah. What's the worst possible thing? I've done this over the years in workshops with literally hundreds of people hundreds of times. So many of us can so quickly get into this worst case scenario mm -hmm. because it's been there. It's been bubbling. We've been thinking about this. And I remember when I did it around money, the worst thing immediately came to mind. Well, I could die slowly and painfully in a drunken bum in the gutter <laughs> and, and no one would know or care. Uh -huh. That was my worst case scenario. I, yeah. And uh, usually after you see your worst case scenario, you kind of chuckle because <laughs> you realize the odds of the worst case scenario coming true are very slow. Probably not going to happen. Probably not going to happen. Yeah. But yet that's there. That's yeah. there. That's the story. It. That's the story. Yeah. The subconscious. That's your fear. And it's wonderful to look at and bring to the light of day those fears when you open up that light. It's like they're on the closet right there. Mm -hmm. You open the closet doors, let the light shine in, and the fears dissolve. They diminish just by looking at them, just by looking at that worst-case scenario and realizing there's a slim chance that I'll die a drunken bum in the gutter, especially because I stopped drinking. So there's a very small chance, uh, but it's there, and the fear is there. So you just look at that fear. Just look at it. That's all you need to do. And then you go on to the next question. The powerful sixth question is, what's my ideal scene here? What's the best thing that could happen in, mm -hmm. this, in this situation? I have done this hundreds of times with hundreds of people. Inevitably, when you ask what's, the, what's your fear, bam, they get into it. Then you say, okay, 
what's the best thing that could happen? They go, uh, hmm. And they have to think about it. Yeah. And you realize you haven't been thinking about the best possibility at all. Well, I think the other good point you make is that people are too quick to be satisfied with a life that is much less than satisfied. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so in terms of setting your goals, it's going to be fine to set some practical goals early on. You have the hang of things. Yeah. You encourage people to dream, you know, to, yes. to, to dream big yes. and plan accordingly. Mm -hmm. Yes. Go for it. Go for yeah. an expansive dream. I've never known anyone who has done it and has regretted it. Yeah. Expansive. Expansive as you can. Don't have it dependent on other people. I've had so many people say, okay, I want to be on Oprah. <laughs> well, that's dependent on Oprah. No, no, no. Yeah. Dream in a way that you, in your empowered state, can realize it, not dependent on anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. Well, people have said, I want to be published by New World Library, by you. Yeah. No, that's too specific. Yeah. Say you want to have a very successful book. Right. Do something expansive like that. Yeah. But that, that is the next question. What is your ideal? What is your ideal? So with money, I said, oh, well, my company becomes profitable and I get these big bonuses that immediately pay out my debt and I suddenly have a well-balanced portfolio and I'm wealthy. Right. That was my ideal scene. So within that core belief process is your ideal scene mm -hmm. for that particular problem. Yeah. And... So many people just break up when they get there because they realize they haven't really thought through their ideal. They've been dwelling in their fears. Yeah, I wonder if this hasn't been working for me. Yes. Yeah. And you can just see them. This hasn't been working because yeah. you've been visualizing negative consequences unintentionally by being so fearful and feeling that anxiety that works against you. Yeah. So when you dare to dream, okay, what's the best thing I could do? Well, uh, Let's see. In my business, when I was nearly bankrupt, I realized, oh, I could get another distributor because our distributor hadn't paid us in six months. Yeah. They were going bankrupt. And it dawned on me, oh, I could find a distributor that paid on time. Right. It hadn't occurred to me yeah. before I did this process. Yeah. And suddenly, the next obvious step is just there. Yeah. So that's, that's the important key in this core belief process. Imagine your ideal. And then you ask the seventh question, this essential question. You say, okay, I've done my ideal scene for this. Why haven't I already achieved it? Mm -hmm. And you just think about it and whatever comes up is a deep core belief. I've actually quit calling it core belief that I learned it and it was called the core belief process. Now, core seems too solid. Mm -hmm. Core seems like something you can't change. Yeah. So I call it underlying belief. What's the deep underlying belief? What comes to mind? Why can't I have that ideal scene? Well, for me with money, it was obvious. I said, well, that's because I'm a fool with money. I'm out of control. And express it as simply as you can. Yeah. That to me was as simple as I could say, oh, I'm a fool with money, out of control. Great, you have nailed a deep belief that your subconscious has bought into, and so many of your thoughts and actions are a result of that. You've nailed something essential with that problem. You've nailed the deep underlying belief. I believed I was a fool out of control. 
whatever I made, I'd spend, I'd blow. That's why I was eternally in debt. That was my deep underlying belief. That's the seventh powerful question. Mm -hmm. And then the eighth question is just oh, say, okay, what affirmation completely con contradicts it and counteracts it? What's the opposite of that belief? For me, the opposite of I am a fool out of control was I am sensible and in control of my finances. And I added, I am creating total financial success in an easy and relaxed manner, a healthy and positive way. Mm -hmm. A phrase I got from this wonderful uh, writer, Catherine Ponder, who is a Unity, was a Unity Church minister uh, and wrote several books in the 70s. A wonderful phrase. That phrase changed my life. Just adding, yeah. in an easy, relaxed manner, in a healthy and positive way. Which I think lots of type A people don't even think of. Yes. Because they think that they're successful or they're, you know, doing what they should be doing when they're operating in a stressed out kind of high beta state, their central nervous system is injecting them with adrenaline and cortisol. Yes. And they think, yes, this is what I was born for. Yes. But it's really not a good way to be. It's quite damaging. Yes. Um, and so why not live with ease? If you have the option. Yeah, I, I have known so many people that equate that, that uh, state of, that adrenaline filled state with success. They yeah. need they need that, and you don't need that. No. You don't need that at all. Uh, that's totally. If you believe it again, your subconscious acts on it. It gets down to our beliefs, and we realize our beliefs are not necessarily true in themselves at all. Mm -hmm. Many many people have very different sets of beliefs, mm -hmm. but they become true in our experience if we believe them. Yeah. So a lot of type A. You know, think that that's what they need in order to be successful. Well, no, that's not really true. But if you believe it, it becomes true in your experience. Mm -hmm. But I chose to believe, and I looked at it as this experiment. I said, okay, when my doubts and fears arose and said, no, you've got to work really hard to succeed. I said, no, I don't. This yeah. is my, and this is my experiment. I'm going to do everything in an easy and relaxed manner, a healthy and positive way. I'm going to keep affirming those words that I'm creating success in my own perfect pace, in my own perfect way. I will keep putting those words in my subconscious and because I want a life of ease. Yeah. That became my experiment. Can I have a successful company and a life of ease, working only when I feel like sleeping as late as I want? <laughs> I've been a musician and an actor in my 20s. I love those hours. Yeah. You don't do anything till 1 in the afternoon. Yeah. Right. You sleep as late as you want every day and then start work at one. I said, that's what I want. That's my ideal. I like sleeping late. Yeah. I'm not a morning person. Right. <laughs> if you are a morning person, great. I often say, if you have energy in the morning, that's wonderful. Uh, you can accomplish a lot. Just if you are a type A, and that's even if you're type A and have that kind of energy, don't fight it. That's fine and wonderful. But do take some time to relax and rejuvenate. Learn how to take naps. Yeah. Learn how to take vacations. Take Sundays off at least. Take a day a week to relax. Even God needed a day off. Right. You know, take some time to relax, rejuvenate, get massages. I had a two-hour Thai massage yesterday. Oh, nice. I had my typical Monday. Treating yourself right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, my typical Monday, I do nothing on Monday. Right, yeah. So I slept till 11. Then I went and had a two-hour 
massage for the afternoon. Then I took a nap. It was a good day. Then, yeah. then uh, my stepdaughter and granddaughter came and we watched a movie. That was a wonderful, wonderful Monday. Mondays with Mark Allen. Yes, right. I have to get on that program. Yes. Um, so we've talked a lot about kind of um, money and sort of personal finance. Really, you use the ideal scene also for healing, relationships. Yes. Um, yes. Is there anything else that I'm missing? I think that's... Well, every, everything, uh, yeah, it's all, everything. All the big important things. Yes, uh, just meditating and affirming. That's simple, the middle pillar meditation added with a, an affirmation. And I do encourage everyone to just find what works for them. Mm -hmm. Find their own way. Like I always affirm, is, for instance, I'm in perfect health. I'm in perfect health. Those words might not work for you. You might have to find other words. But for me, I love just the phrase perfect health. I yeah. am in perfect health. And financially, it's just I am abundant. I all everything comes to me easily and effortlessly. And then I always add in an easy and relaxed manner in a healthy and positive way. In its own perfect time for the highest good of all. Those words really work for me to create whatever I want in life. It's a very simple process. Now, some people, I just yesterday had a long, or not yesterday, the last day at work, had a long email with someone that was affirming something and had trouble with the phrase, in its own perfect time. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I use in its own perfect time. That seems good to me. But to them, it gave them some kind of anxiety. Yeah. And I said, don't use it then. Find Whatever words work, find what the whole process is so simple. Find whatever you feel good about, mm -hmm. whatever makes you feel expansive. Dream something and find a way to affirm that it is coming true in a way that feels good to you. Mm -hmm. And that's all you need to do. Then the next step to take will just become very simple and obvious. Yeah. And just take it. Doubts and fears will arise. Deal with it. Well, Mark, thank you so much for recording this magical path exercise with us. Thank um, you, Garrett. I think people are going to find it very useful. And I understand that you have a poem that you'd like to close with. Yes, I do. I, there's uh, I, several poems have changed my life, just like several books have changed my life. Yeah. When I first found the book, As You Think, it was actually called originally As a Man Thinker mm -hmm. by James Allen. Uh, it had two poems in it. That book, that was the second book that changed my life. The first was The Art of True Healing when I was about 21, right out of college. And then in my mid-20s, someone just gave me this book, As a Man Thinker. And they said, read this. I hardly knew this person. It was great. This, he was like a little Johnny Appleseed passing out these books, I guess. <laughs> read this. And... Uh, as a Man Thinketh was another book that just changed my life. And I did an edited version. I updated it a little bit, just called it As You Think, As You Think. And it has two poems in there. It opens with a poem that sums up the book. And that poem is, Mind is the master power that molds and makes. And we are mind, and evermore we take the tool of thought in shaping what we will. Bring forth a thousand joys, a thousand ills. We think in secret, and it comes to pass. The world is but our looking glass. Oh.
And that kind of summed up the book. And then at the end of chapter two, he has another poem. And it turned out, uh, this poem was written by not James Allen, but Ella Wheeler Wilcox, a woman who was a very famous poet in her time. And I looked her up on Google. She has all these amazing poems. But this, this poem is a life-changing, amazing poem if you reflect on it. Mm. And the poem is, you will be what you will to be. Let failure find its false content in that poor word, environment. But spirit scorns it and is free. Now, it takes a little time to understand yeah. that. She means there's a false contentment in failure. Yeah. Our ego, somehow we're content with failure. But in that poor word, environment, she uses environment and later the word circumstance to really mean anything in our world anything happening out there that causes us to either succeed or failure, anything and everything, this really wide definition, that failure finds its false content in that poor word environment. Like, oh, this is not the right time. It's not yeah. the right thing. It's not the right environment. So that's how she uses that. So I'll start over again to reflect. <laughs> you will be what you will to be. Let failure find its false content in that poor word environment. But spirit scorns it and is free. It masters time. It conquers space. It cows that boastful trickster chance and bids the tyrant circumstance uncrown and take a servant's place. The human will that force unseen the offspring of a deathless soul can hew its way to any goal, the walls of concrete intervene. Be not impatient in delay, but wait as one who understands. When spirit rises and commands, the gods are ready to obey. When we dare to dream, when our creative spirit arises and affirms, I am now creating this, the creative forces of the universe rush in to completely support that dream. Mm. And that's the whole process in a nutshell. That was great, Mark. I thought you were going to rummage through your bookshelves to find those poems. Mm. I've got them here. You got them all inside. Yes, yes. Great stuff. Well, Mark, uh, thanks again so much. Thank you. Thank you all for joining us. See you next time.